right, everybody, welcome back to Double Shot, a sports podcast on the mics. You got yours truly, Hector, and on mic two, I got John Paul over there. How you doing today, John? Man, I'm fucking fired up. I'll, I'll, I'll hit someone in the head with a helmet if I have to. I'm, all, I'm juiced. <laughs> I'm juiced up on this on this pickle beer. For those of you up. who don't, for those of you who don't know about this best made sour pickle beer. This thing is delicious. Like, this is easily my favorite beer now, and it makes me just want to... I mean, I've been meaning to go visit the DFW area since that's the area I went to school at, and just to go revisit, see how things have changed. But I'm definitely stopping at this brewery that made this beer. It's called uh, Martin House Brewing in Fort Worth. Is that... Okay, so it's based out of Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But, but it's not exclusively there, right? You can get it in Houston, obviously. Yeah, yeah, they they are in some grocery stores. I don't know, like all throughout the state, or only in big cities, or certain stores, or what. But I got this at a Trader Joe's. I know it's in some HEBs, but I don't know. Just go check your local store. Cool, cool. Well, going back to the juice step thing, I wanted to start the show off a little different today. Uh, we usually start with the Cowboys report, but um, I do want to address this <coughs> this uh, glaring, uh, I guess more it was more than a foul or a penalty this for lack of a better term assault that happened on thursday night it was fucking crazy but the reason why i want to bring it up is because when we spoke about um starting up a new podcast uh really the thing that that struck for me anyways the, the thing that that struck the most like uh desire to talk on the mic again was a, the real issue going on with Andrew Luck that was more than just a play that he made or anything like that. And it was something serious. It wasn't just, you know, uh, games on a field or on a court. And I think that this falls into, even though it did happen on the field, falls into that category. I could not believe what I saw when Miles Garrett swung, took this man's helmet off, swung it over his, his own body, over another lineman, and then struck him over the head with it. This it was not a football play, it was not a, a a shove or even just an unnecessary roughness penalty. It was much more than that. It was a man losing his cool, and we're supposed to not expect more than a three-game suspension because I know a lot of people were up in arms about how they're they're uh, you know giving him the death penalty and whatnot, and they think that the the NFL is going a little too harsh after him, and his appeal actually is going to be heard tomorrow. Uh, morning but I do want to get your opinion on the matter because that that's I don't care what sport you're you're playing unless unless it's UFC or boxing they don't sign up for that kind of that kind of hit now and I saw somebody tweet um, there's a difference between voluntarily submitting yourself to head trauma and in involuntarily submitting yourself to head trauma I think something along those lines I, I might have butchered it but it was, to, it was to paraphrase, but there, it, earlier in the game, uh, as it happens in a lot of games, a, a receiver got hit head-to-head, and, and obviously that guy's not going to get suspended for the rest of the season, but because that's part of the game. What Miles Garrett did is not part of the game, and it has no place on any football field, and I just want to get uh, your, your reaction to what had happened <coughs> on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, to what you said earlier... Um, I completely agree that I'm of the opinion that really talking about the game itself is probably one of the more boring things to me in sports, as contradictory as that sounds. I really like talking about 
the other aspects to it, the other things that, that, you know, you can have a real discussion about as opposed to, you know, talking every week about who moved the ball to the other side of the field the best. And um, I agree with you that it's much more um, worth it to do things like this for topics that go beyond that spectrum. For better or for worse, um, you know, as, you know, another, another thing that we're going to talk about later, too, which applies to is the Colin Kaepernick situation this past weekend. But with this Brown Steelers um, situation going on, um, I think it happened at the very end of the game. I'm, I, I thought saw that it was with just five seconds left in the game. It looked like um, what had happened on the play was that Miles um, Garrett attempted to take down Mason Rudolph, and I guess Rudolph was upset about it because he had already gotten rid of the ball and Miles Garrett was still trying to take him down. Um, Mason Rudolph, he he first tried actually to get Miles Garrett's helmet off of him was not successful, and it kind of just depending on the angle, it kind of looked like he took a shot to his junk too, and I guess that's what set Miles Garrett off. To which um, obviously um, it did not have to go to that degree. I feel like you know at any time that you try to um, get confrontational with a player like Mason Rudolph did to Miles Garrett, you're probably going to see something else coming to you. But I don't think anybody could have expected this to be happening, uh, getting your own helmet ripped off of you and then swung at you. Um, yeah, and, and for... Go ahead, I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, I was just going to say, and then after that, it's kind of a... It's, I mean, I know that he was... Miles Garrett was in the wrong, but I thought it was... I mean, it doesn't matter a whole lot in the long run, but I also thought it was really frustrating that after he retaliated that way, Mason Rudolph just backed off and tried to look to the ref to protect him. And then he was and then he was pushed by Larry Ogunjobi from the Browns, who was also suspended. I guess we should mention that, too, for the suspensions. Miles Garrett suspended for the rest of the... Uh, indefinitely, but at least through the rest of this year and playoff games if they qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry Ogunjobi suspended one game... Um, the, uh, another, um, was it, um... Marquise Pouncey. The, yeah, yeah, the Steeler Center, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, suspended three games for swinging and kicking at Miles Garrett while he was on the ground. Rudolph was just fine. Uh, the teams were also fine, 250k apiece. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, the last time that I could think of something happening like this was that stomp by Albert Hainsworth on Andre Gerard. Yeah. So there have been, I mean, there have been fights in the league, right? And and I'm actually, I'm glad you, you mentioned the, the whole, everything that Rudolph did first. Um, because I've had this conversation and this debate with, with multiple people. And the, the idea that he was pulling off Garrett's helmet first and the idea that he gave him a low blow all stemmed from a couple of pictures. Now... The age-old saying is that a picture tells a thousand words, a picture speaks a thousand words, something like that, whatever. Um, but they're not always the truth. Those were, Just because somebody catches an angle doesn't mean that that's everything that happened. If you go back and you watch that video in real time, and even in slow-mo, 
but in real time because slow mo makes it look a little worse too. So, first of all, at the very at the very beginning, because somebody told me, well, no, we have to go with who started it and and what started this whole thing, and that makes it Mason Rudolph's fault. No, it doesn't. Even if we go with now, mind you, I'm not a fan of Mason Rudolph. I'm not. I didn't follow him in college. Like I know he went to Oklahoma State. I wasn't a fan of him then. Uh, it's not, he's not a guy that I just want to watch. So th- this is not a biased opinion for me. But even if we want to go back to what started it, Miles Garrett knew that that play was going upfield already. How did he know? Because he had both Mason Rudolph's arms down. He knew the ball wasn't there. He knew what he was doing, and he's done this before. Miles Garrett. To a lot of people, and to myself included, uh, he he seems like a first-class citizen. Like a, and he, I'm not saying he's not, but he seems like a super nice guy, never does anything wrong. But he has, and he is kind of notorious for putting late hits on the quarterback. And so that really is what started everything. He puts a late hit on the quarterback with no – there's no, no point at all. You're up too far. They can't catch up. There's eight seconds left on the clock or less. There was no reason to even tackle him. That you know the ball's gone, let it go. So Mason Rudolph gets taken down. He's obviously frustrated. Not an excuse, but I'm just explaining what I saw that happen. He's obviously frustrated. They're down. They're they're losing the game. No no doubt about it. And then Miles Garrett is just continuing to take him down when there's no point. So Mason Rudolph, in his effort to try and get back up, the only this is a 250 pound, 260 whatever he is, uh, pound man coming down on you who's forcing you down. You have no choice against it. The, his only leverage, his arms were up here by the time he gets down. His arms were h- shoulder high by the time he gets on the floor. His only leverage to try and push Miles Garrett away was right there, his helmet. His helmet was right there in front of him. So at first, he puts one hand on the back of the helmet. He doesn't go down under the underneath the helmet yet. He puts it on the back, one on the front, trying to push him away, and then he can't grab hold of it. Can't grab hold of it, so he grips the helmet, and then that's when everybody's saying, well, he was trying to take his helmet off first, whatever. Okay. Perfect. So then Miles Garrett starts getting up and pushing him back down. My, my Mason Rudolph is still on his back. He didn't kick him. He didn't kick him in the in the groin. What if you can if you watch that video, his vision was blocked. All he knew was that his foot was on some part of Mason Rudolph and he's trying to push him off so that he can get up. He had no room to get up. So he pushes him off with his leg. The picture shows uh, the picture makes you think that he kicked him in the nuts. Um uh, then he gets up. And that's when that's when uh, the whole altercation really gets uh, worse and worse when Miles Garrett took the helmet off and whatnot. Marquise Pouncey, now Marquise Pouncey, when I first saw it, I didn't see the helmet swing. I just saw when the camera came back and Pouncey was literally stomping out <laughs> Miles Garrett, or trying to anyways, because one of the linemen from the Steelers fell on top of Miles Garrett and just laid there. He didn't hit him. He didn't do anything. He just shielded him. And this is a Steelers lineman. Because he knew that it was about to get bad. So he shielded him and he just laid flat on top of him. So Pouncey was throwing kicks. But he didn't really get him. He didn't really stomp on him or anything like that. But he was punching at him. So yeah, Pouncey, I understand a game to three games, I guess. Suspension. But he was defending his quarterback. Um, Oak and Joby had no reason to lay that hit either. That fight was already on the ground. It was gone. It was gone. Um, but I, I, and I, and then, yeah, I do see that yeah, it was kind of a... Kind of a cowardly move for Mason Rudolph to just turn around and cry, cry for help to to the referees. But I mean, you just got struck in the head with a helmet. Like the least you can do is stop this beastly man from coming after me. And uh, and the thing is, and the, the the main thing I think is that we're lucky that we're able to talk about this just in terms of suspensions and fines 
Because it could have been a lot worse. That helmet tilts in a different way, or he hits him on the temple or, or in a different position, and Mason Rudolph is not walking. Like, it, it could have been a lot he, worse of a, of, a, of, a, of an injury. Oh, yeah, for sure. If it was <clears throat> if it was anything more than that, like, if he concussed Rudolph or anything worse than that, yeah, he's probably looking at a year ban or a lifetime ban mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and I guess it just a really weird situation. It just felt like it just got escalated and escalated further and further to the point where we just were kind of left wondering, like, what the hell just happened? Because, I mean, you can make the case that, you know, Garrett was continuing to take Rudolph down despite the ball being out of his hands. And for that, Rudolph responds by trying to, you know, more aggressively get him off of them, whether or not he pulled off the helmet or not, or, or you know, took a shot to to his uh, groin area. And then, of course, Miles Garrett responds even worse than that with the helmet swing. It just kept reciprocating back and forth until it became, you know, what it was. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just um, felt very unnecessary, period. Like, this didn't have to get... I mean, it was five seconds left in the game. It could have The clock could have just ran out. He could have let him complete the pass for all we give a shit. Mm-hmm. And um, even with the Browns... Um, I mean, it's just another chapter in the Browns' season of not being able to get anything done right. I mean, they finally win a game, but it comes at the expense of their best player, mm-hmm. who's probably not who's not going to be with them the rest of the year and probably for a chunk of next year, too. Mm-hmm. And um, it just... Um, I don't know. I, 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 I saw... I heard some, uh, some people um, talking about, like, why exactly Miles Garrett would respond this way and... You know, I've had I heard some people saying that he's trying to. This might be some overcorrecting of people. You know, kind of a I guess challenging his like attitude or uh, demeanor. I guess I mean, there's nothing that you can say about his performance because he's one of the best in the game and was in conversations for defensive player of the year. Was he was a number one pick in his draft, right? Yeah, he was number one. and um, but one of his critiques was that he, um, I guess, from a personality or from an attitude standpoint, something like that, that maybe he was too nice, that he's not as much of an aggressor or enforcer, and this was him um, trying to establish more of that kind of reputation, but obviously taking it way too far. But and, it's um, it's but it's it'd be that would be I would go for that if it was his only offense, which a lot of people kind of do think it was. But when you go back, I mean, this has escalated all year. And that's the reason why we have to nip it in the bud here and, and, and put down a big, or not week, the NFL has to put down a serious suspension because a lot of people are saying, well, we can't look at it as what could have happened. We have to look at it as what did and nothing really happened. So he should only be suspended a couple games. No. When we look at it as what did happen, not what could have, that's when these things end up happening because in week one, Miles Garrett punched Delaney Walker after the whistle, and he got fined $10,000. That was week one. The very next week, week two, he hits Trevor Simeon two times after the after the ball is out of his hands. Uh, one of them was ridiculously blatant. That second hit, that second rough in the passer, took Trevor Simeon's season away. Mind you, he wouldn't have been the starter the whole year because Sam Darnold came back, but now he can't play at all. You know, Miles Garrett was fined 10000 in, in week one and $42,000 in week two. And, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't – he wasn't uh, 
I guess disciplined enough because then he just elevates. He comes back and and maybe it is an overcorrection. Maybe it's just he's losing it or he's on something else. But he he definitely definitely is 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 uh, going about going about his persona the completely wrong way. And I get it. I mean, he does. He is personified or, or, or uh, perceived as a nice guy. I mean, he got he got sucker punched a few weeks ago in his car and he didn't do anything like uh, to it by a civilian. So I don't think that he's a terrible human being. Um, but I do think there's more to it. Like, there's no reason for him to have, to have just popped off like that. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, this is definitely going to be a blemish that's going to probably overshadow his entire career now. Just like in the same way when people bring up Albert Hainsworth, I'm like, is that the guy who stepped on Andre Gerard's face? Yeah. I was like, it's probably, it's probably going to be the same way that Miles Garrett is going to be remembered now too. Mm. And, um. Not only that, but, I mean, we have to get back to the game. I mean, where does this leave Cleveland now? I mean, now they're they're much worse off for it. I mean, whatever their playoff picture was before this game, even if you account the win, I mean, there's got to be, you know, um, at what price did this come? Yeah, because... they're boned. They were going into their most favorable part of the season, and now they're doing it without Miles Garrett. Like, they, they just messed themselves up there. Yeah, and so... I don't know. This is, it's just, it's weird to talk about because I mean, I mean, football in its nature is to a certain degree barbaric. And like you said, you know, people expect it, but they don't expect it in this way. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, it's strange to see. I mean, we're, I mean, it's, it's football. We're used to hearing stories about broken bones and concussions and injuries that ruin people's careers. And when it gets to a point where we sit back and say, oh, no, this is going too far, I mean, that should say something. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what really is there to say other than Garrett just kind of ruined his reputation completely. Like, I mean, I mean, if we're being real, I mean, we know how the NFL it can be really forgiving once he's served his time and he's back on the field, he's going to keep playing. Even if it's not with Cleveland, he's going to be traded somewhere else or signed by somebody else, and he'll just continue on his career like normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect this to you know, ruin his you know, future prospects at another contract. But, yeah, I mean, th- this is what he's going to be known for as. I mean, I, and, you know, I'm sure... He'll be able to live with it once he sees the paychecks coming in. But this is, it's, this this is going from a guy who was known for being too nice to being known as the guy who lost it. Yeah, the heel turn. Um, yeah, and, and and yeah, I still think he's gonna have a, a good career. He's still a great defensive end. Um, so I mean, I just hope he he learns from it and and shapes up and and uh, and comes back a lot better than than he was when he left. So. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, that's the uh, that's the the thing I wanted to get off of of our chests before we started on the uh, on the statistical aspect of the game because now on a much much lighter note, our boys got the W this week. They went to Detroit. Did you see that the Lions? Okay, I I know you saw that they were wearing the white jerseys. Did you know the implications of that? No. What was that for? So, the Dallas Cowboys are one of the only teams, I think they might be the only team, that wears their white jerseys at home all the time. And usually, like, as in 
almost all sports, you use your white jerseys when you're away or your lighter color jerseys when you're away and your dark jerseys at home. Well, the Cowboys, uh, there's been a stigma for a long time now, a couple decades maybe, that our navy blue jerseys are bad luck. Every time we wear the navy blue jerseys, it's just a terrible, like we just have a bad luck game. So the Lions had not worn their white jerseys at home for um, 50 years. In 50 years, they hadn't worn their white jerseys at home. Cowboys come to town. They they turned on or they put on their white jerseys um, in order to force the Cowboys to uh, to wear the navy blues in Detroit, but uh, it didn't work out because we mm-hmm. ended up squeaking out the win. Yeah, so with this win, Cowboys now at six and four, and thanks to the Eagles' loss against the Patriots, they are now um, a game ahead of them for um, the top of the. For the top of the NFC East division, um, overall, this is—I mean, it's—it's going to be a running trend until they just show straight dominance. But it's just—it isn't it so weird that we talk about how individually they have such amazing pieces. You know, obviously, quarterback, running back, receiving core, defense hasn't been able to put it together collectively, but individually they have great players. Um, but then they're just, but right now they're six and four. And so I know that this is a much bigger question. This isn't something that can be answered in a simple answer, a simple way, but why aren't the Cowboys better? Why are they just six and four with all the talent that they have on the, you know, cause I, I don't know of a team with a more volatile best case, worst case scenario mm-hmm. than Dallas. Like I can see them making it to the Super Bowl. I can also seeing them miss the playoffs. Yeah. It absolutely has to be the coaching staff because I, like you said, our personnel on paper, we have arguably the best roster in the league the most complete when we're healthy, there's not a hole in the game. The defense obviously hasn't gotten it together, like you said, as much as we would hope that they would. But on paper, they're a solid, solid group. We definitely have hands down the best linebacker trio in the in the nation in Sean Lee, uh, Jalen Smith, and Leighton Vanderish. We have young and up-and-coming DBs. We have some of the best pass rushers that you can ask for in Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence. Michael Bennett, man, we're, we're, we're a sick, sick team. We just can't. The the variable is Jason Gary. He's gotta get out. He's gotta be gone. He has to be gone. Um, or I guess the control because he's the only one that's been there for ten years for some for whatever reason. Um, but mm-hmm. and I know we've said this multiple times. Well, me more more uh, more notably, but this win this week is a must win. I I, I think if we lose, and it sucks because it's the Patriots at Gillette Stadium, so it's tough. It's gonna be a really tough one. But I think if we lose this week, we're out of the playoffs. The Eagles, the Eagles' remaining six games are just far too easy, aside from the Seahawks. But I do think that they're going to get the win in Seattle or in Philadelphia for whatever reason. I think the Seahawks are a better team, but I think the Eagles, they just have a knack for upsetting us all the time. So, uh, so I think they're going to get the Seahawks win, and then they have a plethora of just easy matchups to finish the season. We can't, we can't drop this one in, in New England. Mm-hmm. And, well, for their win against the Lions, I mean, a lot of players, especially on offense, had really great games. Dak, 444 yards with three touchdowns. 
Randall Cobb and <clears throat> and Gallup combined for a two hundred over two hundred fifty yards. Um, they're finding ways to work Tony Pollard more in the offense. Um, they're able to make up for the fact that Zeke has had back-to-back games under 50 yards for the first time since his days at Ohio State. And, um, and uh, I mean, Dak, Dak has been the only one who has been consistent throughout this whole season and is finally in the MVP race, according to Vegas odds. They put him... Um, He's tied for fourth at MVP odds with Pat Mahomes, and ahead of them are Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I mean, it's still, um, I mean, still with the same things that we mentioned before. Off the defense, still pretty disjointed. Um, for as great as the offense is, I think it says something that, you know, the Cowboys still have to put up. 35 plus points a game in order to put the game away. I mean, I, I mean the offense is capable of that, but it shouldn't have to resort to that. Um, it was a one possession game despite the the Cowboys having nearly 200 more yards of total offense. Um, still with the slow starts um, with a Zeke fumble that led to the Lions being up 7-0 at the beginning. Um, the the Lions backup quarterback uh what was his something Jeff, Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll. I, I, yeah. yeah. Played better than expected. I had no clue who this guy was and he still stood his own against Dallas. And then um and I mean to their I guess to their defense they did have a few more injuries come up with DeMarcus Lawrence, Anthony Brown, Xavier Woods, Lyle Collins again. But at this point, they're at, they're in a situation where you said it's kind of they need all the wins that they can get. They can't really, they're they can't really take anything for granted, especially considering that they have one of the toughest schedules in the league from here on out. Yeah, and so, just I uh, guess briefly, what 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 do you think? Do you think that we have a good chance or no chance or you don't know this weekend? I still think we have a good chance. I think that this is... I feel like this game against New England, I know the odds are against them, but this kind of feels to me like the game against the Saints last year, mm-hmm. where when we when we faced off against them, the Saints were heavily favored, um, but the Cowboys were able to take away an ugly win against New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Ultimately ended up losing to them in the playoffs, but I mean they were able to take that regular season win, and I feel like this is a team that for all of the issues that they have we know based on their based on their season so far is whenever the the whenever they're on they're one of the best in the league it doesn't happen very often but if they're able to get it together it can happen and i think that can still happen against the patriots too i don't know how likely it is but I don't think that you can count them out at all from that game. I still think they have a good chance. Ultimately, I would still pick them to make the playoffs. But um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a real slog from here on out. Yeah. So uh, I, like I said, I feel like if we lose this, we are not going to make the playoffs. I think the Eagles are gonna take that seat from us. Um, but I will say this: <clears throat> I think we're gonna make the playoffs because I think we're gonna go into Foxborough and I think we're gonna win on Sunday. And the the thing that gives me the most hope, obviously, is Dak Prescott and Dak's performance. And it's not even Zeke anymore because he hasn't been performing as much as we needed him to. Um, and it's it's a tough call because the New England Patriots defense is, is out of this world. It's ridiculous. 
But I'm trying to bank on the success that the Ravens had. Um, on paper, yeah. like we were talking about earlier, we have a much better defense than the a defensive group than the than the Baltimore Ravens. We're the only the only place where Baltimore is is like way way better than us is through the air. They defend the the pass like no other. Marcus Peters already has two interceptions. He's only been with the team a few weeks. Well, oh, and and fun fact: Marcus Peters, both of his interceptions have been pick sixes. One of them was for like seventy something yards. The other one was for like sixty something. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so their their pass defense is really good, but we have we have a better unit, a better all together unit than the Ravens do. As and that's say, saying a lot because the Ravens have been great this year. Um, but the Ravens run zone defense, um, which is what the Cowboys run as well. The difference with the Cowboys and the Ravens is that Marcus Peters, their main cornerback, he floats and he follows the main receiver. We don't do that. Our defensive backs stay on their side no matter what, and and they uh, they uh, they guard whoever's going to that side. So that's dangerous against Tom Brady because he's going to find your weak spot if he hasn't already. You know he's been watching film since the last game ended, so he's gonna find the weak spot and he's gonna go there. And when we don't float around, that kind of leaves a a big hole for him to attack. Um, but we do use both schemes. We just stay in the in the zone a lot more. Um, this is the method that the Legion of Boom, if you guys remember, uh, the Legion of Boom in Seattle has some experience playing against Belichick and Tom Brady, and they have some, had some success uh, if it wasn't for passing it instead of running it with Marshawn Lynch. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, they've had some success against the Patriots, and Chris Richard, our defensive uh, – actually, I don't – I think – no, he's not the D.C. yet, but uh, – our, one of our coaches on the defense, uh, he's the one that formed the Legion of Boom and did that that scheme over there in Seattle. The downside to that is that Belichick has a ton of film on a defense that runs like that. He has a ton of film on when they used to play Seattle. Um, so mm-hmm. he, Belichick, it's going to be Belichick's mind against Chris Richards. Can he tweak something to make it work? And I think Chris Richards is one of the brighter, uh, younger minds, because he's not super young, but one of the younger, bright minds in the – in the NFL, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to even making him head coach if we finally do get rid of uh, Jason Garrett. The the offense on the offensive side, the Ravens had three rushing touchdowns against the Patriots. Um, two of those came from Lamar Jackson. So mm-hmm. Dak Prescott is a mobile quarterback, but he's not a running quarterback as as far as Lamar Jackson is. Um, so yeah. we got to get Zeke going and. Uh, and I think we have a complete uh, – we definitely have way more uh, receivers, way more good receivers than the Ravens. So I think we have all the tools that we need to to go into a Foxborough and squeak out a win. A win. Yeah, it, I mean, it's really – I mean, like we said, you know, Cowboys probably on paper have one of the most talented or the most talented team in the league. So it's really like the best offense going up against the best defense. And so you kind of uh, – you know, I think we're in for much a much better game than people – would think going into this game. And so um, one thing that I wanted to mention is that um, kind of unrelated, but something that I wanted to bring up is that um, a couple questions that I had. Why do you think that um, Jason Witten is getting as many reps as he is? Because the stats all point towards... 
Blake Jarwin outperforming him thus far. And he's av- he's averaging 9.8 yards per target, which is really the best in the NFL. And so, um, but they still continue to use him, um, you know, as kind of a, in an ancillary role compared to the rest of the offense. What, how, how do you feel about Blake Jarwin thus far? And should he be getting more of the reps over Jason Witten? I love Blake Jarwin. Uh, <clears throat> I think he has become the, the, the for sure fill in after uh, Jason Witten finally does leave for real. Um, but I, I feel like Jason Witten is just too reliable to, to ignore. So Jason Witten, if you notice a lot of the time that he gets the ball, it's on those crucial downs or, or on a crucial drive where we really need those yards. And I don't know if it's uh, Jason Garrett or Kellen Moore or even Dak Prescott who just want to go the safe route. But I feel like that's why he's getting more reps because he's a safer option right now. I do think that Blake Jarwin is absolutely the more athletic option, and he's got the brighter future, and we definitely have to end up handing the reins down, which we'll talk about handing reins over on a team a little later as well. Um, so I think Blake Jarwin is, is better at this point in, in their respective careers. Blake Jarwin is a better option. Jason Witten is, is the most reliable one, though. It's a, it's a bird in the hand or two in the bush. And um, another thing, too, about this upcoming Patriots game is going to be a potential revenge game for Michael Bennett. And um, I wanted to ask you, I have the stats right here. Where do you think among uh, the Cowboys sack leaders, among all of, all of the players who have recorded a sack so far this year, where do you think Michael Bennett ranks? Uh, third. Uh, no, he's actually fourth. Oh, okay. Well, off of everybody yeah. or just the line? Well, I mean, out of that's still out of out of out of everybody. Yeah, that's that's great for a guy who's been there for th- two or three games. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I, I know. It's Robert Quinn, then Demarcus Lawrence, then Malik Collins, then Michael Bennett. And Robert Quinn also was suspended the first four games of the season. Yeah, he's been he's been amazing. Yeah, he, he has. He's he's currently leading the team right now at eight and a half, and then second, Demarcus Lawrence is four and a half. Wow, yeah, he's way outshining him. No, we have a great, great line, man. And and then Michael Bennett, not only not only is this a revenge game because he used to play with the Patriots, but he also played in that Legion of Boom that I kept talking about earlier. He played in both of those defenses, uh-huh. so he knows our scheme really well, and he knows what they're going to be doing. I, I, I predict, yeah, Michael Bennett gets at least two sacks this game. All right, so... Final score, what do you got? Cowboys Patriots predictions. Uh, uh thirty-four twenty-four, Cowboys. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna say it's a little bit uglier than that. I'm gonna say twenty four twenty. Yeah, see, I don't wanna say that it's gonna be a one score game because if it's a one score game, Tom Brady's gonna win it. Like he's there's no way that he doesn't drive <laughs> down the field and win that game. And and mind you Vegas has uh, the Patriots favored by over a touchdown, which is crazy. Oh, really? Yeah, and and just to just to add real quick before we move on, what you said earlier was it's like it's the the best offense against the best defense. It literally is right now the number one ranked offense against the number one ranked defense. The only reason they're not my game of the week, spoiler alert, but the only reason they're not my game of the week is because I feel like it'll be a little too biased to pick the Cowboys right now. But that game is going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot better than than uh, than the world, I guess, expects it to be right now. Yeah, 
probably not going to pick it as game of the week, but I mean, we know that it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. And so another thing too, that I wanted to talk about was the workout that Colin Kaepernick hosted on Saturday in his continuing campaign to uh, get his get back into the NFL. And um, it led up with some controversy uh, that made me wonder if this is a ploy or a sincere effort by the NFL to try to coordinate this workout with him. Um, he was told on Tuesday of last week about this workout that's scheduled for Saturday. And he was told that they could not schedule it any other day. That it had to be this Saturday or he's not getting one at all. And then on the day of, there was a supposedly like 24, 25 teams that were supposed to show up. But because he did not um, sign the uh, liability waiver that the NFL proposed to him, he changed the location and only eight teams showed up for it. And um, I wanted, and I mean, don't really know how to judge an open workout, but um, by all accounts, he looked good. He looked like the Colin Kaepernick that, you know, that we were familiar with the last time that he played. And um, he came out afterwards, spoke to the media, and, um, you know, said that he's ready to play and said for the teams to stop being so scared about the consequences and do what they think is right for their team. What was your takeaway from the from uh, this Colin Kaepernick situation? Um, okay. When this all started with Colin Kaepernick, I was very against it. <clears throat> I was of the school of thought that, you know, you got cut because you weren't good enough, and that's it. You started sucking, and that's it. You didn't have a place. And I firmly believe that. But I also firmly believe now, today, that there are plenty of teams that can use an experienced quarterback like that. If you're still going to have Trevor Simeon, Nick Falk, or whatever, Luke Falk, if you're going to have those kinds of quarterbacks, the Broncos don't even know who their quarterback is. Brandon Allen is a is a scrub off the street. If you're gonna have quarterbacks like that, then you could you can use a veteran quarterback who's been to the Super Bowl and multiple conference championships. However, so I'm uh, sorry. That being said, I was for it. I was for him getting a chance to prove that he should be on a roster. And if he's good enough, I'm for him getting signed. I would love that. Whatever. I don't care. I don't care if it's my team or if it's somebody else's team. If somebody is good enough, they should have at least a chance to play. Now, you get an interview. It's like any job. If you get an interview and they don't like the way you interview or they don't like uh, the prospect of you being there, then they don't have to hire you. No, they don't. But they have to at least give you a chance. Or they should at least give you a chance. So I was for this. Now, when this all went down, I had read that he was rescheduling, or not rescheduling, but changing the location because the NFL wasn't going to allow the media mass like they said they were into the workout and then yeah the liability form came too um but then he changes it and then the nfl puts out a statement that it's shameful that he missed his workout and all this stuff like basically saying we gave him a chance now whatever happens is his fault not ours um i if it really if they really weren't gonna allow the media into the workout like they said they were then i'm on I'm on the side of, well, let's change it somewhere else where we can have all the media there. 
Because here's the thing. If he goes in there, first of all, it's fishy because they made it on a Saturday, only a Saturday, if not nothing else. Because everyone plays on Sunday. Which means yeah. they're not going to send their most important people all the way across the country to go watch this hour-long workout when they need all their yeah. personnel in in whatever city they're going to be playing. So that's already fishy. And not only that, but for any scouts that they do send out, it's to college games. Exactly. Not to free agent workouts. Yes. I read that yeah, I read that free agent workouts typically happen on Tuesdays, but they told him it was Saturday or nothing. Yeah, exactly, cuz teams don't practice on Tuesday. They don't start practicing until till Wednesday. That's why it was so weird to me. So that's already fishy. So then the day comes and they say we're not going to allow all this media in. That like that make it makes sense to me that they would do that. It doesn't make sense that they should. It makes sense to me that they would because here's the thing. If they don't allow media in and he goes off and throws like let's say fucking 70-yard touchdown passes or tiptoeing in my Jordans fucking sideline passes. But mm-hmm. if there's no media there, they don't ever have to acknowledge that. They can still blackball him and then be like, well, you know, the workout didn't go the way that we wanted it to go, so nobody, nobody wanted him. So if that was the case, then I understand him wanting to have the media there, and I understand him changing location. It's something that I definitely am going to keep my eye on because it is a very heated topic, and it's some it's one that I don't think that we as as fans should take lightly. I think that we definitely need to know how it's working and how it's going and why it's working that way. Um, so I'm definitely going to keep watching it. I don't know. There was only eight or seven teams that ended up showing up to the to the the new workout. And, yeah, like you said, it did go well. So um, so we'll see. I didn't, though. I did not like that whole go back and tell your owners to stop being scared. Like, come on, bro. Like, they're giving you a chance. Like, stop. Don't You don't have to be cocky about it either. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that um, if anything – um, I, I mean, obviously, I am going to take his side on this. I've always been a backer of Colin Kaepernick ever since the situation started out, um, you know, the three years ago. Um, I think that it was... This is clearly going to be used by the NFL to to say, you know, we gave him a chance and, you know, and, you know, you can't blame us anymore for what happens from here on out because we gave him a chance. But whenever you, you know... Tell him the tell him the tell him the day that he needs to work out. Give him just on short notice, not being able to give any wiggle room, not wanting the media there. Um, the waiver that people are making such a big fuss about. Um, the NFL said that it was based off of what they typically provide to players at the combine and to other workouts, and um, Kaepernick's legal team. Um, specifically pointed out that they used the words based on very loosely because the um, it was insinuated in the waiver that they were basically protected from any more legal action on a state or federal level and basically gave the basically gave the NFL front office control over what happened it was no media if they wanted to uh, they didn't they didn't have to distribute what was recorded of the workout they, I mean, if it came down to it and was and was so drastic in wanting to do so, they could have straight up told the teams to not sign him anymore or not sign him if he continued to kneel or whatever, and they would have been protected by this waiver. Not necessarily that what they would have gone to that extent to keep him out of the league, but they would have been in their right to do they so if have, yeah. Colin Kaepernick complied. 
And so, um, I think that, um, if anything, as backwards as it sounds, um, I think that this maybe worsened Kaepernick's, uh, odds of playing in the league again, because I think this was a thing less about how he can actually perform. I've been of the mindset that he can still play, um, definitely as a backup, as you know, maybe borderline starter for teams who don't really have, uh, who don't, um, whose quarterback situations are a mess. Um, but um, I think it was more about his willingness to obey the NFL. I think that this was more about, um, you know, can he agree to our terms? Can has he shown any willingness to, you know, bend, you know, bend his. Uh, I guess bend his standard, bend his convictions, and I think choosing to host his own workout with media allowed, and um, and um, you know not agreeing to the NFL's terms, um, it really put more of a damper on it than people may think. And also, um, I think that um, I mean I don't think when he said that um, you know owners shouldn't be scared of signing him. I don't think that. I don't think that ultimately that would you you know affect his odds of being signed. I think that I if it does, I feel like that's pretty contradictory because you know we always want our players to be really cocky, especially in football. You want them to be cocky. You want them to be confident in the way that they played. But now that it's to the wrong authority, that's going to be a, a you know a penalty against him. Mm-hmm. I, I mean that's I mean that's just screwed up. But I mean. I mean, what what hasn't been screwed up about this whole Colin Kaepernick situation already? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that it's a. Uh, I, I mean, I'm glad that ultimately he was able to hold a public workout. Um, I'm glad that there's footage out there. I'm glad that you know some teams, uh, like the eight teams I think who visited, um, are aware of what he's capable of, and um, I'm glad that there's word out there that he still looks like a good quarterback who can be of service to a team, whether it's in a starter or backup role. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but um, this is another chapter in his story that I'm glad happened. Yeah, I um, bet, I mean, worst case scenario, he ends up exactly where he's at right now anyways. So I really yeah. don't think that it can go too too bad for him. Um and yeah, I, I mean the the teams, and it, it it's also it's also it also goes to show that the the teams that were actually there, the eight, seven, or eight teams that did show up, they are in need of him. Like they like it was the Broncos, I think the Chiefs, which obviously they don't need him as a starter, but the, he could be a very good complement to, to Pat Mahomes. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, the uh, Redskins; he would be a great great teacher to Dwayne Haskins that's probably what they want him to be the Titans I think it, it was teams that could could use him and and if he is the same as he was in San Francisco which actually San Francisco was there too which really surprised me like I can't believe they mm-hmm. went there um, but yeah it's teams that could really really help that could really be helped by either his his uh, expertise or his or just his experience like or his skill or his experience. So one way or another, he could help them. So it it the fact that those teams were there does kind of give you some hope that they are serious about it. And uh, not only were they there, but they drove the extra hour to go to the other workout. 
and uh, and so yeah, I hope it. I hope. I don't know, man. I just hope that if he's good enough to play, that he gets a spot on a roster somewhere. If he's mm-hmm. not, if he has the wrong intentions, which I don't believe, I don't think he has the wrong intentions, but but if he does, then then yeah, he shouldn't be there. But I didn't know, and and thank you for clarifying that whole uh, liability thing, because I didn't know that about the uh, about the waiver and how the NFL would basically have control afterwards, and that opens that opens my eyes a lot, and I hope it does for whoever hears this. Um, that it was kind of a shady move on the NFL's part, and I commend him for not for not signing that. Does he does he does he ever sign with a team again? Do you think? Uh, damn it! I don't. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I th- do you want to? Do you, do you want to take a stab at who that would be? I think it's going to be the Redskins. Redskins. Yeah, I think I think it'll be the Redskins just because it's just poetic justice. It's Alex Smith is still there. We everybody forgets that Alex Smith is there, but Alex Smith is with the Redskins, and that's who uh, Cap ended up ended up supplanting in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. uh, I think he'll end yeah. up doing it again over there in in Washington. Yeah, as much as I've appreciated everything that he's done in um this movement that he started i don't think he ever plays again sucks to say it but that's just honestly what i think okay all right well let's move on to the next thing um i saw here that you had um let me see here let's see or did i put that i don't know but i saw that last week we had talked about the game of the week being the ravens and and uh texans oh yeah we got that one super wrong (laughs) yeah ravens fuck them up bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Would you care to explain? Would you care to expand on what exactly happened here? Lamar Jackson happened. He's been happening to everybody. <laughs> he happened to New England. He happened to he ha- he happened to the wait. Who beat the Niners? Didn't they beat the Niners? No, the Seahawks beat the Niners. Um, he uh-huh. he's been happening to everyone. He happened to the Seahawks. Shit, he beat the Seahawks earlier this year. Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson is a different kind of beast. And just to just to highlight, because look, I love Deshaun Watson. I like the Texans. I think they have a really good team. I think they just fell behind, and they just it just was too much for them to handle, uh, especially without J.J. Watt on the line. It's, it's, it's a different team than we saw in the beginning of the year. But All right, so just to go ahead and highlight what the Texans were up against, I'm, I'm just going to mention a few of his stats. Lamar Jackson, this is how crazy of a season he's been having. He has 2,258 passing yards. 19th in the league, or 19th among quarterbacks. He has 19 touchdowns. He's tied for fourth. And he has five interceptions. He's tied for 16. So he's middle of the pack there, right? Like, he's an average quarterback through the air um, and a good one with the touchdowns. But here's where he really separates him from the other quarterbacks. These next stats I'm going to give you are among running backs, not among quarterbacks. Uh Uh-huh. Lamar Jackson has 788 rushing yards. He's tied for 10th among all running backs in the in the league. He has six touchdowns, tied for 10th among all running backs, and he has zero fumbles lost on the season. Obviously, he's tied for first on that one. That is among people uh-huh. who play a position that he does not play, and he shouldn't be playing, uh-huh. and that's that's how well he's doing. He has eight runs of 20 or more yards, tied for first with Nick Chubb. He's averaging 6.9 yards per run. That's first overall by himself. 
the just to just to give the casual fan a little more perspective, we use a comparison a lot when we're talking about Lamar Jackson. That comparison is Michael Vick and what we wanted Michael Vick to be in the in the mid early two thousands. Well, Michael Vick held the record for consecutive games. Michael Vick is the greatest running quarterback that we've ever seen. Michael Vick held the record for consecutive games with 60-plus rushing yards with six. Back in 2004, he had six games in a row as a quarterback where he ran for more than 60 yards. Lamar Jackson, with this game over the Texans, he busted off a 39-yard run, I think, and that put him at 85 yards for the game. That makes it seven in a row. So he's broken. He's broken. He has now broken Michael Vick's consecutive 60-plus rushing yards um, since 2014. No one has done it in 15 years. No one had done it before that. So, go ahead. Is there any is there anything that needs to happen to uh, show that Lamar Jackson is already better than Michael Vick? Like, what ne- what needs to happen to for that to for you know for for that to be the consensus opinion of him? I mean, it feels it kind of feels like he's already at that point. I feel like he's got to finish it strong because when you're a quarterback, yeah, you can run for two hundred. You can run for 151 game, and then the next game you can run for five or fumble the ball twice, or you can have a bad day and it'll completely throw off your averages. Where his upper hand is, is on the whole season. So the last record that I wanted to mention, Michael Vick holds the record for rushing yards by a QB in one season with 1,039. There are a lot of running backs that don't ever get to 1,039 rushing yards in this season. Michael Vick as a quarterback mm-hmm. did in 2006, 1,039 rushing yards. As you remember, I mentioned Lamar Jackson already has 788, and he has six games left to go. He's on pace to rush for 1,261 yards. That's two or three running back type games that he's going to leave a gap in between Michael Vick. I think if he can finish this season strong, the way that he has been, don't regress, which they have a pretty favorable uh, schedule for the rest of the year. But if he can finish this season strong, which I think he will, he's going to blow every record that Michael Vick had. He's going to blow it out of the water. And I think at that point, it's going to be, yes, this is it. This is him. This is what we wanted. He is better than Michael Vick. Now can he keep it going? Because we all saw what Pat Mahomes did last year. And obviously, you have your sophomore slump, which really, Pat's a junior. But it's his second year starting a four-year. So he and he's still doing great. He is He's doing magnificent. But he's kind of regressing towards uh, compared to last year, so I think the the meter st- or the measuring stick really is going to be: is he really going to com- keep this kind of style of play up next year? First, it's going to be how far can he get with it this year, and then it's going to be like, okay, well, yeah, you did it; it was great. People have a lot of film on you now, and uh, are you going to be able to keep it up? Is this really what you are going to be career-wise, not just season-wise? Um, do you think Vegas got it right with putting him as the favorite for MVP? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and that sucks because I really, really like Russell Wilson. And and uh, and when you think about when you're talking just quarterback, like just passer, Dak Prescott's got to be higher than he is in the MVP right now. Dak Prescott, I think, is in MVP race, but I think he's placed five, four or five right now. Um, yeah, he's tied for fourth with Pat Mahomes. Yeah, so when you're t- which is still good company, but when you're talking about strictly just 
quarterback, like arm throwing quarterback, Dak Prescott is leading the way right now with the most passing yards in the uh, NFL. But with this new class of quarterback, we're not talking about just your traditional pocket passer or even just your traditional mobile passer. We're talking about somebody who outruns his own running back. He is the leading rusher on his team. They basically don't even need a running back because Lamar Jackson can just tuck it and run whenever he wants to. Um, so, yeah, long story short, I guess, I am on board with him being the favorite right now for the MVP. Now, if Dak Prescott can can keep turning it on, I don't know how many rushing touchdowns he has, but every year he's had at least six, or exactly six, actually. So if he can keep turning it on, I, I think just respectfully he needs to be considered a little higher. Um, mm-hmm. But... Russ is a close second for me right now, and and yeah, I, I I'm on board with Lamar being number one. Mhm. Okay. All right. And um, okay. Anything else you want to say before we head our way over to fantasy and game of the week? Um. Oh yeah. Just really, really quickly. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, the 49ers kind of struggled with the Cardinals yet again. Um. And keep an eye on them because they're they are nine and one, and they're leading the NFC right now. But their next three games. At home versus the Packers, in Baltimore against the Ravens, and at, at New Orleans against the Saints. Things could get really ugly for the 49ers really fast. Lucky for them, they have the Falcons and the Rams after the that three-game stretch. Um, but then they end up closing it out on the road versus the Seahawks. So my quick prediction on that is that the uh, San Francisco 49ers will go 2-4 and four to close out the season, which is... Ooh. Yeah, it sounds really, really bad, but that still has them finishing at eleven and five. So they, they were able to jump up ahead uh, far enough to still be considered. But if they do go two and four, the Seattle Seahawks are going to take that seed from them, and then they're going to force them to fight through an extra round in the playoffs, which will be the NFC Wild Card round, uh, which mm-hmm. most likely will be against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So then, let's move on to. Um, let's see what we got on fantasy this week. Did you win this week? No, man. I lost. No, dude. I lost by a half a point. <laughs> I won by point eight. Are you serious? Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. Was it your last game of the season yet? Um. Was it? Um. No. We got next week, and then the following week is the playoffs. Okay. So yeah, we have. This was our last week of the season, of the regular season. Um, so I finished in the seventh seed. So I'll be going up against the second seed. Uh, but there Ooh. were two games that were decided by half a point. It was mine and my roommate, and uh, who is who is <laughs> is that your cat? Is that your cat? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. For people listening, uh, I Hector sees me wincing in pain because my new cat keeps scratching the shit out of me. <laughs> Well, now you got to introduce her. What's her name? Her name is Bean. Oh, nice. Short for Beanie Baby. <laughs> and uh, she's a two-month-old black cat who is a really good cat. I like her a lot, but goddamn, she can scratch. <laughs> well, there you go. Congratulations on your new cat. <laughs> who, uh, who I can't say congratulations to is uh, is my roommate, Wallow, who's in, in the studio somewhere but behind a couple of doors. So I kind of hope he can hear this oh, no. right now because, yes, we are talking about you, Wallow, and your uh, finish. Um, so Wallow played – his last game of the season was against another guy who was uh, fighting to be out of last place. Whoever lost that game last night was going to come in last. 
And uh, uh-huh. my boy Wallow went into Monday night. All of his team had finished playing. And uh-huh. the other guy, Oscar, had Pat Mahomes and Sammy Watkins. And he was oh, only down no. he was only down by twenty two points. Pat Mahomes has only scored under twenty seven points one time this year. So yeah. Wallow had already counted it as a loss. He was like, Fuck man, I'm coming in last, whatever. Me and him are glued to the T V. Pat Mahomes scores three points in the first half. Sammy Watkins uh-huh. has like one. And we're like, Oh uh-huh. my god, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Well, long story short, obviously in true fantasy football god fashion. They brought down Almighty Justice on Walla, and he lost by half a point. It was Man. horrible, and 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 then it was so. Pat Mahomes had four rushing attempts for sixty yards, right? So then they get the ball back, and in our league, you get one point for every ten yards rushing, and one point for every right. five rushing attempts. So he was up. Okay. He was the guy was winning by half a point. They get the ball back, and what are they going to do? They're going to kneel it to run the clock out. Well, a kneel counts as a rushing attempt. So instead of 60... Oh, does it? Yeah, so instead of 60 yards, when Pat Mahomes kneels it, he loses a yard, which means he loses that point. But since he had four rushing attempts, he gains the fifth rushing attempt and gets that point back. (laughs) Oh, my God. They were just toying with my boy. And, and yeah, Wallow ended up coming in last for the regular season anyways. But, yeah, now playoffs start. What did you say happens to the last place person? So what we had, the rule that we had in place was whoever comes in last, the 11 other players in the league all get to pick a bumper sticker to put on that man's car for the rest of the year. (laughs) Um, However, we're thinking about about introducing another option, which would be a milk mile. So Wallow would... Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Wallow would run a 400 meter, or he would chug a, a quart of milk. And then run a 400-meter dash, and then chug a quart of milk, run a 400-meter dash, and do it four times until he completes his mile. Holy shit. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, so would you rather uh, have that like that one day of misery or, or like no pain for a year but like emotional pain with the bumper stickers? Do I choose the type of milk that I get to drink? That's actually a good question, and I think, I think <laughs> no. I think that'd be too easy. <laughs> Like, is it gonna be whole? Because I'd rather have almond or rice milk instead. Yeah, no, I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be whole milk. <laughs> uh, I'd rather just do that and puke my guts out and just get it over with. Dude, that's like one of the worst <laughs> things. That's gonna be one of the worst days of his life. I swear to you, it's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, are you guys gonna record it or is he gonna move it to another location? No, we. W- <laughs> <laughs> No, we want to do it before, uh, before our like the day of our next draft next year. Okay, okay, all right, okay. So game of the week. What's game of the week? Game of the week. You failed me this week. You failed me this week, Texans. But I'm gonna ride with you again. I'm taking the Thursday night matchup, Colts at Texans, simply because they're both. That is a good choice, right? It's gonna be a good game. I mean, it is. Um, and they're they're both tied at six and four. They both desperately need this win because Nick Foles is back. And they're at four and six, and they also have a divisional matchup against the Titans this week, one which I think they're going to win. So Nick Foles is going to inch one game closer to the lead, and whoever loses this game is going to have him nipping at their heels. And this is a Super Bowl MVP that you have behind you, so you don't want to lose this mm-hmm. game if you're Indianapolis or Houston. <coughs> I think Deshaun's going to come back with a vengeance, 
And Jacoby Brissett is coming off this injury. He just they won this week, I believe. Um, however, they did lose Marlon Mack to a fractured hand. So, uh, so mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see who wins that AFC South matchup. But I believe it's going to be the Texans, and I think it's going to be twenty. 27-24, or 27-21, somewhere around there. Okay. I'm going to go with the matchup that we had discussed earlier, Seahawks at Eagles. Mm-hmm. I think that with the um, playoff picture um, becoming more and more zoomed in as each week passes now, and these two teams needing to capitalize on it to secure their playoff spot, um, I think that it's going to be a really... I think it's going to be a really entertaining game here. I think they both understand what's on the line. Even though the Seahawks have a, a, a have a better record by like by like two or three games. Yeah, but they're um, still not like leading ju- their division though. Yeah, I would say just because of their divisional situation, they're still at risk. And so these are two teams that really need to take advantage of what uh, take advantage of the remainder of their schedule. And so I think that this is going to be the game of the week. I'm going to go Seahawks. I'm gonna say Seahawks. Uh, uh, I'm gonna say Seahawks twenty-seven twenty. Oh, I really, really hope you're right on that one. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, anything else, man? We're really going over time on football this week. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> there was, a, but it, but yeah, it was a couple I mean, there, of real things that we that we finally got to talk about. Yeah, I would say yeah, it was definitely definitely worth it. The content was there. But um, okay. Well, let's go on to basketball now. Um, how do you feel about your conference finals prediction of the Spurs now? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> now it's getting I, bad. I feel fine. We we just I, I feel confident that we're gonna make the right moves. I mean I don't think just off of memory, I don't I don't remember ever starting this bad, do you? The last time I don't know about record wise when was the last time it was this bad, but I think that the last time they lost six in a row. Was in two thousand eleven. Okay, and I think included. I don't remember the actual games, but I remember reading that a part of that was frequent resting. So it wasn't necessarily that they just were not good enough to win those games. They were also resting players. But um, Spurs, yeah, six game losing streak, lost eight of ten games, and it's. It's a it's so weird watching this team because they're as bad as the record is. There are stretches and games where they do look really good, but then it's those periods when they're bad. They are really really bad, and one of the things that they kind of um, have in common with the Cowboys is that they can't start off well at all. The starting lineup that they have is not doing well at all. Um, the starting lineup is um, their net rating is negative eight point nine. Wow! And of and of all the the top five most used lineups that they use, four of them are in the negative. And they have they have no defensive presence. They're currently ranked twenty eighth in defensive efficiency. And it's twenty um, eighth with the way. Yeah, twenty eighth in defensive efficiency. Yeah, not heard of in San Antonio. And then, um, with um, it, I mean, I think the reason for that is because um, the the perimeter defense, besides Dejounte and Derek White, is flat out terrible. As uh, Demar's Demar isn't playing well, 
Bryn isn't playing well, Marco Bellinelli, Patty Mills, these are all guys that, yeah, are not playing well, but it's not that they're in a funk, it's just that this is who they are. They've never been known as defensive stoppers before. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and I mean, DeJounte is on a minutes limit. For some reason, Pop is not giving extended minutes to Derek White. They, for being the two best defensive guards, they're not playing together. So far this year, there have only been six minutes total where they were on the floor together. And um, they're and it doesn't get any better once players get to the rim because they are they are fourth worst in rim protection. Jesus. Aldridge, whenever he. Yeah, whenever Aldridge first got to San Antonio, he was a really good defender and really good at defending the rim, but that's just not been the case this year. And um, I guess the same goes for Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles, who's been a pretty good utility player, but has not been a defensive stopper whatsoever for them. And um, it's just, it's just weird, man. Like I, a part of me wants to say that they don't need to make any big changes now because. For the periods that they look good, if they can just keep it together for a whole game, you know, they would have been able to do that multiple times over the past week. I mean, yesterday's game against Dallas, they started off horribly, and then they came back and made it like a four-point game before Dallas pulled away. And then in the game against Orlando, they were up by 16 and lost. And in the game against Portland, they were up by... I don't remember how much. I think it was like 11, and then they came back, and and then Portland came back and beat them. And it's just, it's really, it's just really strange and disappointing that they can't keep it together for a whole game. It's like you can take the bits and pieces that have been really good, and they have been really good, but I mean that's obviously not how the game works. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really, I don't really know what the solution is. Is these, these things that. You know, Pop mentioned in the media, uh, he was asked if he's thought about making any lineup changes or roster changes, but Pop said that that this was just more about the players just, you know, getting more acclimated to what we do here, and I think, you know, it's, it's just, he basically chalked it up to needing a better effort, and I mean, true, but I don't know if this is the type of roster that even if they do d- get it together, what does that look like? Is it really that much different from what's going on now? Because at this point, you kind of have to question that. Yeah, I feel like when we mentioned this last week, and it actually, I, I want it to come to fruition, but then I kind of don't because then I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to credit you with being a guru. But I feel like we definitely <laughs> do have to. It's time. I mean, I love DeMar DeRozan as much as the next person, but, but like you mentioned last week like we, it's we got to kind of hand the reins over like we because he had i think he had like 30 plus points against Dallas right like he had a lot uh, yeah he actually had the best game of the season so far he had 36 against Dallas i mean that was one of the games where he actually looked pretty good but um he he's had multiple stretches of of just falling apart at the end of games like in that Orlando game he um fouled Aaron Gordon and it was a flagrant so they got the free throws plus the plus the possession afterwards and then they were down three and he had the ball and of course he doesn't shoot three so he was just standing around waiting for a shooter to be open which didn't work out and then in Portland um he was um 
you know, called for a foul that was uh, put up to a coach's challenge, which is something new, but it actually uh, made things worse. I think at first it was an it originally ruled an offensive foul or a defensive foul on DeRozan, which would have just been possession. But then, um, or no, it would, or no, DeRozan had the ball. So he was called for an offensive foul, which would have just been a change of possession. But then on the replay, after the coach's challenge, he was actually ruled for a loose ball foul, which meant free throws and possessions for Portland. And um, it's just, I mean, part of it is bad luck. I think in both of the referees' reports after the game, they admitted that they had called some bat- some wrong plays in Orlando and in Portland. But, yeah, like, it's just... Um, I mean, it's just sad to see DeMar DeRozan, like, especially in that Orlando game, just have the ball while it's winding down and not know what to do with it. I mean, he's a great player, but you just can't have that happening. Like, it's it's just it's just sad. You got to have somebody who can shoot it. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely – he shit the bet on that one. But and it, but it does kind of make me feel a little better that you said that this kind of, this kind of start happened in 2011 because – we still had 50 that year. We still ended up getting the 50 that we usually get. Um, if I'm not – no, I'm pretty sure, yeah, we, we've always gotten 50, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was um, the year that Kawhi sat out was the first year in the in this era that they didn't reach 50 wins. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but, but so, so, yeah, in 2011 we may have had that six-game lo- losing streak early in the season, but – we still ended up performing the way that we usually do, so it does make me feel better. Um, and I feel like we there's nothing that we can't back, bounce back from. But why only bounce back if if we need to look to the future, anyways? You know what I'm saying? Like we're not gonna keep Demar for five years or six years or four years even. So I feel like it's time he's got to go. Um, especially right now, he's he's hot. He's dropping he's dropping points. Yeah, he's dropping the ball sometimes, but he's still an efficient scorer and somebody who can electrify an offense. Um, so yeah, I feel like we're gonna get more right now for him than we ever will in the future. Yeah, and I think the I think the thing that makes it more difficult is that I I think that. Eventually, they do have to part from DeRozan and Aldridge, and I think for right now, I think they need to pick one of them to go with and try to find good value for the other person. Mm-hmm. And I theoretically, I would choose DeRozan to be traded because he's not a three-point shooter, he's not a good defender. Um, and then Aldridge, Aldridge just does not... He does not command the offense the way that he used to. Like, he is very much like he's kind of assimilated to the role players. Like, a lot of what happens in the Spurs' offense is a lot of overpassing, overpassing, but they but they have to because there's no one to, um, you know, take control of the offense, and there's nobody that can create their own shot. And so it's a kind of offense to where, like, you know, before in the Spurs' um, offense that they would, you know, be so pass-happy is because there was actual movement in the offense. It was finding open players. And with the Spurs team now, it's just trying to find somebody who can do something with the ball. And it's just like with every pass, it's like, please do something with it because I don't know what to do. A lot of it is just dead ends that are resulting in, like, 
Bryn Forbes mid-range jumpers that don't go in, or LaMarcus Aldridge passing on open jumpers only to settle for a contested hook shot. Like, it's just, the offense just is so disjointed right now. It's weird to see. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's something that I'm, I'm definitely not comfortable watching. And I don't think any really any real fan of basketball is not accustomed to watching with, with out of the Spurs organization. So, um, I mean, what's what's the likelihood you think that we turn this around? Um, I mean, I th- I think it's pretty hard. I think that. Um, let me see here. I think I. Let me see. What is their current record right now? I think they're like four and nine. I think five and nine. I think. Here, hold on. Give me a second. Look, look, oh, look the record up. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to calc. I'm trying to look up and see what exactly. Okay, so right now they are thirteenth in the West at five and nine, and so in order for them to reach forty-five wins which is probably a good benchmark to making the playoffs in the west. They would have to go they would have to go 40 and let me see and let's see 37 minutes. 40 and 26. They have to go 40 and 26 the rest of the way to to uh probably have a good feeling about making the playoffs. And this is in a field where there's probably some shoe-ins like the Lakers, Rockets, Nuggets, Clippers, Jazz, and then there are some teams who are really, um, you know, fighting for it and like making their case so far, like the Mavericks, the Suns, the Wolves, um, and not to mention, I mean, the I mean the Spurs are thirteenth, which means they're also behind the Kings, Grizzlies, Thunder, and Blazers. Um, yeah, but and, we have uh, to assume that that they're not going to hold up their end of the ba- of the budget. The Kings, or the bargain, sorry, the Kings and the Grizzlies and them, like we'll we'll be able to over overtake those teams. Yeah, I think so too. I think it, it, I just um, putting it out there that things are a little more competitive than the Spurs are used to, and it's coming at the worst time because the the West is is a little bit more, not stacked at the top, but stacked in a more dispersed way from top to bottom among the teams at a time when the Spurs don't really have an identity. It's like they, they, can't, they can't generate offense. They can't defend. They, um, they're in the middle of figuring out what to do with DeRozan and Aldridge. Are these guys that you really want to continue building around? And at the same time, you're still trying to figure out what you have in the young guys with DeJounte Murray, Derek White, um, Lonnie Walker, who still isn't playing that much. Um, you know, guys on reserve like Keldon Johnson and Lucas Shamanich. Um, and uh, there's just, and, um, you know, they, they, we, we might get a Keldon Johnson sighting because I just saw that in the injury report for tomorrow that Derek White is out and they called Keldon Johnson up to the, up to the actual team. Oh, that could be and a so, good spark that we're missing. Yeah, and so I don't know. It's just it's just kind of disturbing too because the San Antonio right now is currently winless against teams that are over five hundred. With that loss against Dallas yesterday, they are zero and five. And I mean, credit to Dallas because Luca went off. Just like man, I love Luca so much, but goddamn, he did not have to go so hard against the Spurs yesterday. <laughs> he just didn't. That, that that was just rude. And um. Man, this and again making my case again that 
Luca is already a top ten player, which I'm of the belief of. But um, man, it's just. I, th- I mean, there's no other way to put it. It just sucks watching this team the way it is. Like, it's not even necessarily that they're doing this bad. I just wish that I knew what the direction was. Like, it's, like, sad whenever they're losing and also aimless. Just, like, I have no clue what to expect out of this team, like, a week from now or a month from now. Like, I mean, this team in two months could, you know, shake up the roster. I just, we have no clue. And I, I don't like that feeling. Well, you got to have faith with Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford, so... I'm leaning still towards the playoffs, and I'm going to stick with my Western Conference Finals. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, Okay, so for the next week, they are playing. They got uh, Washington. They're playing in Washington Wednesday, in Philadelphia Friday, uh, back-to-back in New York against the Knicks on Saturday, and then Monday they're back at home against the Lakers. Washington, Um, Minnesota, New York, and the Lakers? No, Philadelphia. Oh, Washington, Philadelphia, Phil- New York, and the Lakers. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, Washington's a win. New York's a win. Oh, my God. I got. I, I have to. No, no. We're going to go 3-1. I'm, I'm going to try this again, and we're going to go 3-1. <laughs> okay. All right. And so who's that loss going to be against? Philly. Philly. Okay. All right, I'm going to go 2 and 2. I think they need to I need to see a little bit more from them before uh I start having more confidence picking them against the better teams. So I'm going to say 2 and 2 wins coming against Washington and New York. Um they have to win those games. If they if if we come back and talk talk about how they're now on a 10 game losing streak, I'm just going to start watching college basketball and preparing for the draft. Dude, for real? That's <laughs> we're, we're projected obviously we're projecting the lottery, right? I, did you post something about that? We have the best odds right now as it stands. No, it wasn't that they were of the best odds. It was a website called Tankathon oh. <laughs> that that uh that that simulates what would happen if the lottery took place now and so um and so it has in order like the best to worst teams and then um and you you know you do the lottery and it shows and um you know teams jump up teams jump down it just shows like what are the odds and i just and i just kept doing that over and over and over again and i (laughs) posted the one that showed the spurs picking number one you see that's how rumors start kids you gotta do your research (laughs) i had that horribly wrong (laughs) <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, but there's okay. no way. I, there's no way that we don't win at least two of those games. I really hope so. I mean, I didn't think that we would be here talking about how they just lost. Like these were, I mean, I mean the the competition wasn't bad. I mean, I can understand them losing individually against these teams that they just lost against, but these were really bad losses. Like, it's just, in the way that they lost it, like, these were all attainable games, and it just didn't happen. And I'm wondering just, like, how, like, in the same way that I questioned the Cowboys, I wonder, like, how how often does this need to happen before you accept that this is what the team is? Mm-hmm. I feel you, but I'm never going to, never going to accept it. <laughs> we're gonna be a losing team. I, I always have faith. I got it. We got this. We got this. We're gonna go three and one. We're gonna take it back, and uh, and then it'll be a new conversation that we're having next week. Yeah, I really hope so. But um, okay. So another thing too that I wanted to bring up, um, 
I think we're already going over so much on time that I'm going to skip the Paul George debuting on the Clippers. I mean, long story short, Paul George played for the Clippers. He looks amazing. <laughs> Clippers are super badass. We may be screwed. It's <laughs> no. a good summary. Mo- moving on- <laughs> yeah, moving on to the Blazers. Paul George scored 37 points in 20 minutes. Who the fuck does that? <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so now the... Yeah, so now the next news that I wanted to talk a little bit more about was um, Carmelo Anthony. Finally back in the league, signing with the Portland Trailblazers, playing tonight against the Pelicans, and actually starting. And they've they come out and said that he's going to start and is probably going to play around 20 minutes. What? And, uh, yeah, yeah. he's Port, Portland is really in desperate times right now. Portland is doing just as terribly as the Spurs are and they kind of and they also are dealing a lot with injuries and they're trying to look for anything for a spark plug for them mm-hmm. and um, in that sense I don't blame them for reaching out to Carmelo because I mean of course he's going to be horrible on defense he's not going to do you any favors there but if he can just provide some spark of offense I think he would be worth it mm-hmm. but um, I don't I don't know if that's going to be the case because even with uh, his, t- his little stint in Houston last year he was not um, shooting, you know, as well as we expect from Carmelo Anthony. Like, he just kind of just um, regressed into a bad bench player. And I don't know. I mean, we have to see it first. But I, there hasn't been any evidence that this is going to be any different in Portland. And especially, that was a mellow in Houston that was just counted on to be a stretch big. Just to stand out on the perimeter and shoot whenever the ball comes to you. If Portland is expecting anything more out of him than that, then yeah, I don't know how that's going to look. I think that's going to be pretty ugly for them. He seems like he's coming back a lot more humbled uh, person than he was with the Rockets and the Knicks. And it's tough because I I liked Melo more than I liked LeBron when they both came into the league. And I had higher hopes for Melo. I thought Melo was going to be better. Uh, He did what he did with Syracuse as a freshman. Like it was crazy. He was a great, great basketball player. Now he's a, yeah, he's a should be a bench player. He's starting. I will say this though, as we record, he does have seven points on nine minutes. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking now on Twitter. They're showing an. They're showing his highlight. He actually hit the, an opening three pointer to put the first points up on the board wow. for Portland. I bet that hyped him up. Is that better or worse? Because now he's gonna have a just as big as head as he had when he left. Probably, but you don't sign Carmelo Anthony for him to be submissive. You hope that he chucks it because he's Carmelo, and you hope that it goes in, too. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I just – and to what you said about him coming in a little bit more humbled, I think he kind of had no choice other than to do that because, um, I mean, he had his run in New York. He had his run in OKC that did not go well and then ultimately was – I I can't, I can't remember if he was bought out or traded and ended up in Houston. And, um, you know, that didn't go well either. And at that point, you know, he was mocking the idea of him being a role player, just being like a simple stretch big. Like he thought that he had it in him to still be like a number one and number two option at the worst. And then he comes out on, I remember a few months ago, he was coming out on TV, coming out on ESPN, talking about how he just doesn't want his his career to end the way that it has. Like, he's willing to play for anybody. Um, to which I don't think is true. I don't... I You know, he can come out and say that he's willing to play for anybody willing to sign him. But, I mean, is he going to is he gonna sign, uh, you know, if, if, if fucking... If Charlotte 
came to him and said, do you want to be our backup power forward? He's not going to say yes to that. Yeah. He's going to wait until he gets an offer like this to be the starting power forward for the Blazers. Like, I don't think that that was necessarily true. I think he was just waiting for a spot for a team that's you know competent to take a flyer on him. And, I mean, Portland is in a perfect time to take that flyer on him because they do need offense, they do need bigs, and uh, I don't know. I hope. I mean, I hope it works. I think it would be cool to see Carmelo Anthony be good again, but it's been like what, like three, four years since we've seen that. Yeah, I don't and know. I don't know. Then, I don't know how to feel. Really, wasn't really that great, like like the mellow that should have been. Um, yeah. Is this is this right? I'm looking at the roster right now. <clears throat> Do the Portland Trailblazers have Paul Gasol? Yeah, they do. Wow. But he's been hurt. He hasn't been able to play for them. Wow, I did not know that. I didn't. The last I heard, he was he was with the Bucks, right? We traded him to the Bucks. Yeah, he yeah he was in the Bucks, um, but he was just for the remainder of last year, and then I think uh, he was a late signing for Portland. I think Portland signed him like in August or September or something like that. Good for him. Yeah. So hopefully he's able to you know get a get healthy and play for them. But in the meantime, God, can you imagine how horrible of a defense that would be to have Carmelo Anthony and Pau Gasol as your big man? It's <laughs> like, God. I'm driving the lane if the Spurs day. couldn't score on that, then sound the alarms on yeah, that. Yeah, no, we gotta, we gotta start from square one again. Yeah, seriously. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just pretty much what I wanted to leave it at. I mean, I hope, I mean, this is going to definitely be interesting. It's going to be fun to see Carmelo play again. Interesting to see him in a Portland jersey. He's wearing the double zero. And um Yeah, I saw that whole like super intellectual post that he made about the double zero. Yeah, somebody drug test him already. Because yeah. <laughs> that makes no damn sense. Just just be happy that you're back in the league. Don't yeah. make it more than what it is. For all we know, you're gonna be out of the league again in January, so that's true. That's that's cold blooded, but it's true. Yeah, he was signed to a non-guaranteed contract, so that way Portland is protected. Yeah, well, that was smart for them. So he's got yeah. he's got four games in between now and the next time we record. Uh, it'll be tonight against the Pelicans, um, on Thursday at Milwaukee, on Saturday at Cleveland, and then on Monday at Chicago. Where do you Ooh. think – do you think that we're having a, a good conversation about Melo next week or, or a bad one? I think we're going to have a good conversation. Like, this is definitely, uh, I think by the end of the season, it's not going to be so good, but this is as good a time of any to make his debut because, I mean, he seems to be off to a good start in New Orleans and then to play out against, um, who, did, who, who, who did you say? It was the Milwaukee, then Chicago. No, it's, it's yeah, it's tonight Pelicans and then Milwaukee, uh, Cleveland, and Chicago. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, he's going to get beat up against Milwaukee, but to play against the Pelicans, Bulls, and um, and um, and the Cavs, yeah. I think this is as good a time of any to start getting your shots up and show that you still have some value. So I think by next week it'll be good. But that's uh, I think by the end of the year it's going to be a much different conversation. The calendar year or the NBA year? Oh shit! Yeah, probably. I, I mean, I meant NBA year, but probably calendar <laughs> year. <laughs> that poor guy. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to add? No, man. I think that's it for me. Okay. All right then. Well, um, yeah. Well, this was another episode of Double Shot Sports Podcast. Of course, you got me, JP. You got Hector, and we'll see y'all next week. Thanks for coming.